It could well trigger a new era for our national game. The Gaelic Players Association met formally for the first time in Belfast last night. Players probably feel it's time that maybe some of their ideas were heard. The Breakaway Gaelic Players Association and the GAA hierarchy seem set on a collision course tonight. And the official recognition agreement between the GAA and GPA uh, provides for um, joint commercial ventures. The player development programme that's in place is something that's vital to the well-being of our players. You do your utmost to, to serve the members and uh, that excites me a whole bunch. Every day, you know, we're working with players. They're the centre of everything that we do. Hello and welcome along to The Player's Voice. I'm Kieran McSweeney and I'm joined by my co-host, Leash footballer, Colin Begley. Colin, how are you? Good, Kieran. How are you, mate? Good now. Uh, the first podcast that we've recorded since the easing of the COVID-19 restrictions. Still yeah. haven't made it down to Cork and I am missing the, the good Cork air, but it has had a bit of a positive impact. Managed to get across to the Phoenix Park on Friday evening there, walking around... Even talking to the deer it was like Doctor Doolittle over there, but just it was just such a so good to be out and about and and, and getting outside of that that five kilometres now has has made a very positive difference. How have you found it? Oh yeah, you can definitely see it, can't you? It's um, a bit more of a buzz around the place. Like obviously, it's not we're not there yet, but um, I suppose a lot of positives even just for people getting out. Further restrictions lifted off travel. Um, even myself, we had some great news on my end. Uh, my brother and his partner had uh, a new um, member of the family, a baby girl, Isla. So um, that's been it's been really good. We can actually get down and see her without having to stay into the restrictions of distance to travel and stuff. So it's been very, very positive for me. Uh, I'm getting out, still trying to play some golf, as always. Uh, not improving at all, but look, it's getting out in the fresh air. But, I, I, like um, way, really I, like you say, I like the way you say trying to play golf. Yeah, I'm hoping the bosses can listen to this podcast. I'm trying to get out, John, but it's been worked too hard from both ends, you know. And look, look. obviously we're aware that we can't be too positive because there are still people, unfortunately, dying of this illness in the country and new cases being identified. And the HSE yeah. message is still there to hold firm. We do need to stick to the restrictions that are still in place and, and hopefully they can see us, see us through. But as you say, there is a sense of that we are starting to turn a corner and a bit more optimism there. Well, yeah, I think I just think people are enjoying getting a small bit more uh, freedom in some way. But from what I've seen so far, be it out in general public and even even with my club team now, we're actually back in some smaller groups training together. Um, people are still very, you know, conscious of the restrictions or, or the suggestions of social distancing and 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 adhering to the guidelines of washing hands and sanitizer and stuff like that. So. You know, from what I'm seeing, people are still pretty good that way. Um, it just it just seems to be more robust. People are, can kind of see maybe a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, and they're right. Obviously, still not out of it, and unfortunately, still some some horrible people, some horrible situations where people are getting sick and some deaths as well. So um, that's obviously not a great side of it, but it's it's positive for people to be able to kind of see a bit of hope and hopefully keep on progressing towards some form of normality down the line. Yeah, hopefully that is the case. And hopefully it continues in that positive manner. And I suppose some positivity in the World of Gaelic Games as well, Colm. A roadmap now to the return of GA action. You mentioned the fact that you're back doing um, little bits and pieces in the smaller groups with the club. To the GA journalists who are listening, we won't be giving you any GPA exclusives around our views on the roadmap, any of that, because still work to be done on that side of things. But um, certainly that it is... 
great to see that there is now a pathway back to games. Oh, definitely. Well, I suppose, think about it, Kieran, when we started off in this podcast, I think we're still uncertain whether we have any football or any Gaelic games at all. Um, so to go from that to where we are now, like you have to look at the positives. And I think um, just even for the social connection, um, of people getting out together a bit uh, adds a huge amount, you know, um, and for the community as well. So it's a, it's a real step forward. Um, you know, I think to get out with teammates in this time um, would be great for the people individually, but then also for the community in that sense. So it's, it's great. It's, it's really exciting. And I can kind of get a bit of a, I'm finally starting to lose a small bit of that gut I put on over the last two or three months as well. So centimetre by centimetre, hopefully it'll start fading. And look, it is. It's great when you are out about now and you're seeing um, fellas kicking around a footballer, hitting around a poking around a slitter. It's, it's, it's just it's, it's great to see. Look, um, But look, one issue is, I suppose, dominated the global news headlines in recent weeks. It's been the response to the well-documented horrible events in the United States of America. Um, and that response has reverberated right across the globe. And here in Ireland, it's brought about questions around race and racism really to the fore, I suppose. And equally, it's caused some introspection within Gaelic games. And that's a topic that we'll be concentrating on in this episode of The Player's Voice. And we'll be back to you very shortly. The Gaelic Players Association, representing the interests of all intercounty players, protecting their welfare on and off the pitch and supporting their development as people. Listeners are advised that in the following interview discussing racism, the N-word is used by our guest Mary Adabamaye, explaining her views on the problem within Irish society. So is racism an issue within Gaelic games? And if it is, what can be done about it? Well, we're delighted to be joined on the player's voice this week by down footballer Mary Adabamaye and Westmead footballer Boydu Seya to discuss the topic. Um, thanks very much, folks, first of all, for, for joining us. Mary, if I, if we can start with yourself, you might just give us a little bit about your own background um, and how you came to becoming a, a, a ladies footballer with Down. Yeah, so hi, Ken um, and Colin. So um, I moved here from Nigeria whenever I was 10 years old. And... Um, I obviously went to primary school and secondary school here and then I kind of took off. I started with sports. Um, I started with um, athletics. So I was doing like 100 meter sprints and then like cross country and stuff and then kind of moved along to um, high school. And then in high school, I kind of started with football and netball. But I think I didn't really take football as seriously as I took netball because um, I was more interested in that. And then I went on to play netball for Northern Ireland and then kind of at the back of that I was playing football but not as seriously but um, I was playing those two sports at the same time so kind of my life was kind of busy at that time at such a young age and then um, whenever I finished uh, playing netball for Northern Ireland I kind of took football a little more seriously and I, I kind of enjoyed the, the um, social aspect of football as well and um, just from then on, I've just I've just concentrated more on football than netball. And um, I started off at Neary Shamrocks, and then our ladies team kind of folded. Then I went back to um, Bosco in Neary, the Neary Bosco. And how long have you been on the uh, the Down Ladies team now? And uh, how do you find it? Yeah, so I was on the Down Ladies team whenever I think. I was 16. Around that time, anyway, I was on the down team, but I was, like, 
one of the youngest ones there. Yeah. And obviously, because I was one of the youngest ones, I didn't click as much with the older, with the older uh, ladies on the team. So I kind of stopped um, county football for a while. And then I went back this year. And obviously this year, it's more of my age group and more of my peers. So I'm definitely enjoying it more than I did um, back in the day. Um, yeah, so I'm loving it. I'm loving it this year. And I, I think like the girls have really gelled together and we're more of a, more of a group, more of a team, more friends than, um, more, more friends within the competition. So, uh, and boy, do you might remind us of your own background and how you have progressed on to becoming a, a member of the Westmead Senior Football Panel. Yeah, so thanks, uh, Kieran and Callum, for having me on. And uh, yeah, so I'm originally from Liberia, Monrovia, Liberia, and my auntie and uncle brought me over here to live in Ireland on my I arrived here on my eighth birthday, and you know I suppose you know arriving here was you know it was a different kind of experience for me. It was everything was new, and you know I never had a proper childhood in general. So being brought over here kind of allowed me to start a new life and a new childhood as well. So you know I went to primary school in Rosemount there and. Rosemont Westmead and from there I suppose is where the G I kind of found love for the GAA and as Mary said you know I kind of grew up playing loads and loads of different sports as well I was playing I was doing athletics as well I was doing um soccer and then obviously I was playing a bit of Gaelic too and you know my Gaelic love kind of came from having a coach that used to come in his name is Jim Dawes he used to come in every Friday and train us and you know show us how to all play GA. It was only about nine or ten at that stage, and you know I kind of you kind of start loving it from primary school days, and then obviously then I started playing with the local club Roseman, which is only up the road from the school, and you know I had my my friends and my family member playing the sport as well, so it was easy for me to transition into playing that, you know. So I suppose then from it went from the club and. You know, from under 14s and then under 16s, I started playing a bit of football with Westmead then and then made my way up all the way up to 16, 17, minor, under 20 and 21s. And I started playing the whole way through until, you know, I got onto the Westmead senior panel. We'll, uh, we'll talk more about the, the GEA side of things shortly. But, like, I suppose, Mary, going back to, your, to yourself, you, you arrived to Ireland as a young kid and, and boy do as well at the age of, as you say, on, on your eighth birthday. What's that like? Um, to, I suppose, be confronted with a whole change in life, in ch a change in lifestyle and coming to a new country at, su at such a young age. Is it exciting, scary? What are the emotions you go through? Whenever I first came here, whenever I was 10, I wouldn't say it was excitement. I think I, would, I was more scared because I didn't know what I was coming into. Like, Whenever you're in Nigeria at the age of eight, like you're you're not being put back into P six or P seven like I was at that age in Nigeria, I would have been in first or second year. Oh. So like being put back into P six at the age of eight it was very difficult for me. And obviously in Nigeria, like our first language was English because we were colonized by Brit by Britain. So we had to speak English. So like that was that was good for me coming into this country because then I understood I understood what people were saying to me. I was able to like speak back to them, but I think it was the culture and just how people acted 
here that kind of shook me because I've never had that before. I'm trying to make new friends. I'm trying to understand the way people are here. That was more difficult for me. And I think it didn't take me until I was at least first or second year to kind of really understand the culture of Northern Ireland. And and I also think the positive part that I would take out of that was sports kind of helped me like kind of like just build my confidence within within the environment the new environment that I was in because whenever I was doing athletics that was whenever I think I was 11 or 12 whenever I started that so I was able to make friends from that and moving from that and then going back to school and starting new schools I already made my friends outside of that environment so sports was able to kind of cement me within the community and was able was able to align me and for other people to understand who I was where I was from and things like that so I would say like sports was a big big and a good factor for me in coming into this country. I kind of had a different childhood in Liberia you know in Liberia I was kind of I was always protected from what was going on there was a civil war going on so I was being protected in that sense and you know moving to Ireland was kind of like an escape to get out of Liberia and get out of Africa and come to this new country, this, you know, first world country. And, you know, when I first arrived, I was super excited. You know, I was, I was obviously nervous as well. You can imagine an eight-year-old child, completely everything new. I was excited. I was nervous. I didn't know what was going on. I was all these different emotions. So, you know, when I arrived, I was automatically introduced to a whole different family members everyone was white I was the only black one around actually my sister and my dad were black as well but you know I was coming into a family where everyone that I knew was white and going to a school where everyone was white as well so you know it was a it was a culture shock for me too and yeah. you know I had to listen to the different accents and you know I had English but it was like an African English it was a broken English and you know for them to understand me as well it was pretty difficult so everything was just new so you know, I suppose then, like, the GAA kind of helped me transition into the Irish culture a little bit quicker that way because, you know, I ended up making new friends and, you know, meeting new people and getting to travel around Ireland a bit more. And I got to experience things that a lot of kids don't really get to. And, you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was a huge culture shock, really, coming over here and experiencing something new. I do. I, um, I read in one of the articles, I think you've done an interview before, um, one of the lines, you remember when you were actually being told you were moving across, you thought it was moving to the United States because yeah. I think it said most uh, people from Africa usually go to the United States and you end up going to the United States of Rosemont. Yeah, as a kid in, in Africa, well, I don't know if that's true for Mary, but as a kid in Liberia anyway, it's... Um, the two places you know is Africa and America. So, you know, growing up, we had uh, the UN coming over and all I've seen is the UN soldiers there and I, they were all coming from America. And I was like, you know, sell shop all the people. And I knew I wanted to go to America. So when I landed here, I was like, yes, I'm in America. And then <laughs> I mean, I got the raw truth that I'm in Ireland and it's definitely not America. So, yeah. <laughs> It was in Westmead, so it was a, it was a change, yeah. But Sunday as well, I think it's an it's an interesting point. Um, both of you mentioned um, the use of sports as being a platform or a medium to 
create connection to friendships like that's the norm really and it's actually a massive part of uh, young Irish children who live here as well because you see you both mentioned primary schools too that you had someone in the primary school whether it be sports whether it be netball or GEA but it was a huge resource to have that and I, I, I think even for myself remember my primary school was the same that the, the sport within primary school was only the base for creating friendships and, and, and engaging in the community so can imagine that being a huge asset to you both when you came over and developing obviously more so as it went along 100 percent um you know like primary school is really just where i like as i said i found love for the gaa and found love for a sport that i that i knew i was going to succeed in and was going to help me big time in my life so you know like obviously back then it was it was it was a way to really get engaged into the irish culture and make friends and you know, it was literally one of the ways to make friends. You know, if you play G like especially from the community I'm from, if you play football, you are welcomed into the GA, you're welcomed into the community and people will kinda respect you in that sense as well. And you know, that helped me that way too. I think as well you can see I think you can see more of that even um within say cool camps and other some schools I was coaching in my previous job as well. When the information is given out to more families and different nationalities, different races as well. It provides them the platform, parents a platform who want to try and get their kids engaged in communities uh, and engage with more friends to do that. I think yeah. that's something that's even the parents as well. Like, yeah. The parents, like it engages them into the community too, you know, like, you know, their friends are going over to their friends' houses. The parents meet each other, you know, it's a different way of kind of bonding together too. Interesting to hear, like obviously the, the usually positive impact that sport has had on, on both of your lives the reason that we wanted to concentrate on the issue of race and racism is obviously it's been really to the forefront of the the news agenda over the course of the last number of weeks since the horrible events in the United States. And it's something that we've I suppose, seen spread right across the world as people are tackling this issue now. And what we I suppose, don't want it to be is an issue that gets talked about in a podcast or in newspapers for the course of a couple of weeks and then gets forgotten about. Before we move on to what can be done, I suppose, to ensure that that doesn't happen, I'd like to get a, a sense from, from both of you around your own personal experiences of maybe seeing racism within Irish society and then, I suppose, more particularly within Gaelic Games. And Mary, if we could start with yourself on that. I would say, like, within Gaelic and within, I think, the sports that I've played, racism hasn't been a big massive problem for me and like I can't pinpoint why that is but um I think within the community that I'm in I think because Newry is such a small place and I think because I I think we're only the only black family within Newry I I haven't come across racism in the sport that I played as much as any other people would have but what I would say is, yes, I have come across racism within especially Gaelic, but I would say it's only once or twice. So I think even talking about like my experiences with it, like to me, it doesn't it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make there's no point in me talking about, oh, yes, yeah, so and so happened to me on this pitch on that day. And this was the outcome of it, because I think that 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 isn't what we're here for I think the most important part is the you know the subtle racism that you get it's not whenever people say to you oh 
you're a nigger. This like someone saying that to you, like blatantly to your face. It's more like the subtle racism that I would get daily, but not within football or not within netball, not within um athletics. Like if I was on the phone to someone, if I was speaking to someone, or even if I was talking to someone face to face and they said to me, uh, what's your name? Um, where are you from? And I tell them my name. And if I was to say, oh, I'm I'm from Northern Ireland. I've lived here for 15 years. People would be like, no, no, seriously, wh- where are you from? And like by me saying that I'm from Northern Ireland or I'm from Mary, that that answer isn't sufficient enough for them for them because obviously they're looking at my skin tone and they're obviously wanting to know no seriously though where are you really from you're not from here do you know what I mean and like I think that's that's the problem that we have at the moment whereas my little sister Faith she was born here she's 15 she was born in this country and if someone was to say to her Faith where are you from if she said I'm from Yuri no one she wouldn't be believed or she wouldn't be taken ser- like as seriously and she doesn't understand that she doesn't really understand racism and like how subtle it is for us at the moment so I think that 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 is like that's the problem that we have within the society at the moment because realistically the people that that would be blatantly racist to you are the people that don't care and the people that that aren't willing to kind of like change their opinion on racism or aren't willing to educate themselves on it and Mary, do you think, um, like you mentioned there, like people are going, oh, seriously, where you're from? It's, yeah. it's the problems like them not knowing that, that they, they don't see that as, as racism in their mind and they don't yeah. perceive it. You know, it, there's probably no exactly. malice in it. But it's, yeah. you know, it's something that's, I suppose, they, they've learned, they're not even learned, but unknown to themselves. They've kind of, mm. kind of grown up with it or even seen as a norm, normal thing to say and like they don't say anything wrong with it. And not knowing yeah. the effects it could have on the person such as yourself and your sister. Exactly. And, um, yeah. And I think you mentioned before, uh, Baidu, that, you know, why, why would someone say some things like this or that or racist remarks? And I think you mentioned about is it fear or hate? And you actually probably use the word ignorance more so than anything else, which could be the, the, yeah. the key word in most cases. They are obviously hate someone's there from people who just don't care about you. But there are a lot of ones of people who are ignorant to it, maybe not true learning themselves or getting more information or just purely the way they were brought up i would say the same thing as that like um you know like i kind of you know i experienced racism from a very young age as well so when i got here you know i remember being in primary school and you know two little kids coming up to me and telling me you know what are you doing here like why are you in this country go back to where you came from you're not from here you know like something like that upset me at such a young age i'm thinking what do you mean I'm not from here? I, I like I'm here, so I'm from here and you know, it was something that hit me and I went home, told my parents, told the teacher. And you know, from that young age, the kids that said that to me, their parents came and apologized to my parents and you know, got their two kids to come apologize to me and you know, the teachers talked to us, all of us and that was it. That was sorted from back then and you know, I'm friends with those lads now and I'm best friends with them. And, you know, that's why I'm always pushing, you know, education to kids. Let them know that, you know, there are black Irish. There are different cultures, but they're Irish as well. And if kids learn that in school and learn those kind of things, they're going to bring it home to their parents as well. They're going to be like, my friend 
whoever Boydu or something, he's 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 African, but he's also Irish as well. And their kids would take that, their parents would take that on board as well. And you know, education goes a long way for kids, and it goes a long way for adults too. So you know, I yeah. always try to push that in that sense too. I also think the older generation are like the most important that needs to be taught on like being educated on racism because I think it's them that the children learn from. So if if you if you basically if you see your parents doing something, you're gonna copy what your parents are doing. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And like it's most it's mostly the older generation. Like I haven't heard it like on the pitch on my part but i i can i can guess that like i don't know if if we, you're playing a football match and there's a there's a black like a black boy or a black girl that's playing on that pitch i'm sure that the people on the sidelines on the opposite team can easily say something racist toward towards someone that's playing on that pitch and there could be a young child standing beside that parent that's kind of like said something racist and that per- that child is going to take that on board and say it to his friends or her friends and like her friends and her friends are going to say and that's kind of how it travels along and that's how from being actually being saying something racist to them becoming saying something that's subtly racist and that's how it travels because then from like the parents saying that something saying that racist regard like along the line someone's going to be like oh that's not right to say it but like we'll still say it anyway because so and so has said it so it must be right to say it so I think it really just goes back to the older generation and how they can really tackle racism and how like they can really teach themselves on the impact that it makes on other people's feelings and other people's lives yeah, I definitely agree with that point as well. Like, I mean, you know, kids learn from their parents, you know, and they learn from the older people and to say what they hear as well, you know, that that happens every day. Like, as from me, coming from me as well, you know, like playing on the GA pitch, I've always experienced stuff, but I am that kind of person. Like, I'm the same as every other Irish person that doesn't like to talk about things, they kind of just... Mm-hmm. brush it off a little bit you know i'm that person as well so when someone says comments to me i've always gotten on a plane i've got people calling me whatever or calling me this and that or telling me what the hell am i doing on the pitch your black shirt fucking black people don't play ga what are you doing whatever i've always gotten that but i've always brushed it off you know and it's just the way i kind of grew up i kind of grew up not wanting to talk about it or not wanting to make an issue out of it i always want if i made an issue out of it i feel like you know, I'm going to make an issue out of this. You know, it's going to be a big deal. I don't want it to be a big deal. You know, exactly. Like, oh, yeah. Kind of took it on board as well. And that's wrong too. You know, we should be mm-hmm. able to speak about it. And we should be able to try and sort it out. And, you know, we should be able to go to a referee. And that should be, a, a, the referee should make a problem out of it and get this lot of red car, yellow car, whatever. It should be something like that. It shouldn't be something, you know, you take on board and it's knocking your confidence and you're just going to let it happen. I think the issue with me whenever it comes to racism and stuff like that I think whenever it happens like I'm just like you like I'm not a very confrontational person like I'll take that and like I'll that'll sit with me for about a week or so and I'll have to deal with that like indoors like in my own home by myself and I think that like once that happens on the pitch or where like wherever it does happen like there has to be a consequence like 
for people who do it. But then again, whenever, if I was to speak up for it, speak up about it, then I start feeling sorry for the person that has made that comment because then I'm like, oh my God, they're going to get like some stick for that. They're going to be made to feel bad about it. Do you know what I mean? And like that, that's kind of what happens to me a lot. So that's why I never speak about it. That's why I deal with it on my own because like I then start feeling sorry for the other person whenever I shouldn't feel sorry for them just because they're getting, they're getting the repercussions of what they said to me. But I also need to be able to like kind of like grow out of that and be able to speak out for myself, which is something that I don't really do. So I would say whenever like the one incident that did happen to me on the pitch happened, I think that it was taken very, very seriously. And like the effects of that kind of really rubbed off on the like my team and like all the different teams within um down. So I think whenever a situation has happened, I think the referees did the right thing. And I also think the clubs, both clubs did the right thing. And I think the county took it very, very seriously enough from um, the situation that happened to me. But obviously I can't speak on whenever it's happened to any other people within football. Even, I'd say, Ollie, you could probably back me up on this. Like, as if you're teammates with someone and someone says something to your teammate or is attacking your teammate or is following your team, you're always going to back them up. And I've always had that as well from the lads. You know, if anything's said to me, the lads would be there to back me up. My manager would be there to back me up. And they'll always let me know that, you know, I have the support and, you know, it's there. But I do think, you know, the referee could play a bigger part in that too, you know, as in like, if someone is attacking you because of your skin colour, like, it shouldn't really be accepted at all on a GA pitch. It it should be dealt with by that man, that by that referee, you know, like, the players can do as much as they can to help you out, but, you know, if someone's, like, it happens all the time, you're getting abuse on the pitch, whatever, people are saying things, but if someone's attacking you because of the skin colour you have, it shouldn't be accepted at all on a GA pitch, I would say. Yeah, I, I think... Like we would talk about who can help out in a situation. We mentioned referees, and again, well, I think I think as well it's about redefining standards too. If you think about, I I'd be hopeful now, and I'm, I'm I'm sure this goes across all teams that even if a, if a player said if a player on my team said something like that, I can assure you there'd be a lot of players on my team who would wouldn't condone it and would have a word with the player and would look for repercussions because there are certain standards set within the squad. Um, I imagine the same for you, Mary, and same for you, Baidu, but like. I think it's about calling these situations and scenarios out, I imagine, and setting new standards and like that. No, it's not it's not condoned, it's not allowed. And as we move along, hopefully it becomes a thing that just doesn't happen. Now, within the GEA, obviously, going outside the GEA to larger society is a much more difficult problem, I imagine, and hard to impact. But you no, know, I think I think sports, it's funny, I think sports is one of the places where even though you hear a lot about racism, it's probably an area where a lot of races come together to try and support the fight against it. I know over in AFL, we would have seen a lot of that. You know, I, I remember actually in one game, a fan um, shouted a racial slur at Adam Goods, I think it was from Sydney, and there was a, a bit of uproar about it. And a player from the, the team they were against helped pinpoint the fan because they didn't want people like that there supporting them. So that made a huge impact. And I think that's important that there's a kind of unified approach in it. Just then, in terms, um, uh, Mary Ann Boydu, like I said, this issue has come to the fore over the course of the last number of weeks because of 
like the horrible incident obviously that happened in the United States and then that got coverage and spread right across the world via media and social media. I suppose I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like what emotions do you feel when something like this happens? It gets an awful lot of coverage in an awful lot of places, be it media, people are talking about it, but then it gets forgotten about. It's it's in, in two or three weeks time, something else is top of the headlines and the issue, all these people who have spoken about it, you know, it, it's almost it becomes old news until mm. another major incident happens in a few months or a year's time or whatever it is. How frustrating is that, that action isn't taken when the the issue is to the to the fore? I was actually speaking to my mum about this and my sister about this today. I feel like in this age that we are and what's going on with like with in the world at the moment, I don't believe that this issue is going to be like gone in the next two to three weeks, in the next month, in the next two months. I believe that at the point that we are, we're in right now, I think racism has gotten so far and people are just so sick of it that I don't think it's ever going to go away. I think more and more people are beginning to stand up for themselves in a way that they wouldn't have done before. And an example of that is me. Like, I would never have spoken about racism before. I would have dealt with it in my own way. My sisters and my parents wouldn't have. Like, I, like I've like i seen so many people speak up that I've never heard speak up before. So I believe that this problem, this issue, is not going to go away until something's being done about it. And I believe that there, there's, there are people that are starting to become awakened by this and are actually thinking, oh, my goodness. Yeah, maybe I have said something that could be perceived as racist. Oh, I'm going to change that about myself. And then you have other people that aren't going to do that. And you just have to know that they're a lost cause. But I think what's happening right now has really, really, it's really helped. And I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. I don't think anyone's going to let this go away anytime soon because people are just fed up and sick of it that you're going to be hearing from about racism for a long, long time. I don't think it's ever gonna, it's gonna stop. So, so you would see this as almost, uh, almost a, 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 a turning point. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because realistically, like, when have you ever heard of a topic of racism being talked about in so many different countries at the same time? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's never been done, and like the the fact that people are actually acknowledging themselves as saying, oh, yes, oh, my goodness, I have done that. I can see how, like, that would have affected that person. I'm going to do better. That's never happened before. So I don't think think this is going anywhere at all. And I I believe that clubs and county boards and all all of that, they're not even with GAA, just with every sport, I think they're going to start really thinking about how they can implement... Um, ways in which to tackle racism just to make sure that every race is one and we we need to stop thinking about racism as just for just like the black community because it's not it's not it's for the the um all the multicultural communities because at this point yes we're only talking about racism for black people but Along the lines, like as we're going on, it's going to become a bigger thing within all the different communities. And that's why I believe that 
it's not going to stop. It's just going to get more more publicized. More people are just going to be awakened to the problem that it's going to be. It's going to have to be fixed. There's no there's no other um, there's no other outcome for it than to be sorted and to be fixed. I totally agree with that as well. Like everything you just said there, because you know people are kind of fed up at this stage because you know they they've seen what's happening in America and they're saying, Jesus, you know, I've experienced stuff like that in Ireland. And people in Ireland are thinking, Ireland is not a racist country, but they're like, yes, it's not a racist country, but there are people in Ireland who are racist. And, you know, I've experienced stuff from that. And, you know, if you look at Ireland as well, it's a country that can overcome so much. You know, Mm -hmm. I think Ireland could be a country that can be racist free because it's a country that's overcome so much. They've peeled the aid, they've gay marriage, they've every, they can do all these things. So why can't they have this country that is completely racist free? Do you know what I mean? I believe they can, to be honest with you. Yeah. I just think something just needs to be done and more people just needs to talk about it. No, more people need to make awareness of it. You mentioned we accomplished so much and I think we say the same. There's been a lot of hugely fantastic things done over the last while. Um, do you think Ireland is improving, has been improving over the last number of years? Do you sense that, be it with racial situations or um, or do you just feel that we have the opportunity and definitely the desire to do it if you, if, you, if you just push on a bit more and start putting some more actions in place? I think Ireland is that country that's changing so much and people are realising that, you know, they're realising that, you know, Ireland isn't just for the Irish people, you know, there's other uh, nationalities in this country too and, you know, it goes the same way for the Irish people. There, there are people that have travelled the world, have moved to different countries as well, and you know, picked up different cultures. You know, I think people are really getting that on board here in this country. And it, in the last while, I can see as well that it's changing so much, and people are realizing that. And exactly, you know, it can change a bit more. It can, like, it can change more. You know, people can be more accepting. Ireland just needs to take the opportunity that that's been given to them now, and do something about it or do more about it as I said like to me racism in football hasn't been a big issue for me it's more the society and society needs to just come together and understand like just that just need the society just needs to understand racism in itself and how it makes other people feel and like if the roles were reversed how it would make them feel so I think once once that happens, I think I think Ireland would be free of racism, and it's it's a small step to take, but but like in order to achieve change, people are going to have to be uncomfortable with some of the things that are said. Like I know for a fact that some of the things that I I've said that could be perceived as racism, if I was to say that to not be not my friends because my friends understand that we've had the conversation about it, we've talked about my culture and things like that I think it's if I was to have a conversation with acquaintances and just to say what you've just said to me is racist they'd be taken aback by that I I can guarantee you the next time that they see me they're going to be more they're going to be more aware of what they're trying to say to me and that might make them uncomfortable but by them being uncomfortable changes them being racist so they're no longer racist to me because I've made them aware of what the things that they're saying, but it's just made them uncomfortable. And in order to achieve change, you're going to have to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to be shaking a little bit to understand what you're doing. And that's when the change comes. 
just on that, on, on kind of follow on from that, then again, I suppose we, we kind of talked about change. And is there any anything, any areas you think that would be really important going forward that, like, you know, that we can do that even, let's say, the GEA or sport can do to help this? Because I, I think from what I, we've spoke about, say, you know, younger people and they're so impressionable, you know, that, that you mentioned your story about, you, about the parents telling them it was wrong and then they kind of changing or seeing that or being taught that, breaking the line of it. And I think I've seen it in, say, cool camps or coaching in schools that setting a standard from such an early age, you know, can make a huge impact, uh, including different races in, in, in multitude of sports can create a different atmosphere and environment for someone to learn. So do you think, you mentioned education. Do you see education as being a big part, both in sport, both in schools? Where would you see the, the biggest step we can make? Yeah, definitely. Like, I always will say, I think education is a huge part of it. You know, like, as I, I said earlier, like, you know, kids are, like, they're the people who are going to run the country in the next few years. They're the people who are going to be the adults in the next few years. You know, if they learn it from such a young age, they're going to bring it forward so much. And, that's how Ireland's going to change. It's going to change from educating those kids. And obviously, you know, some adults need to be educated too, but, you know, adults have their ways. Um, it's hard to change an adult's ways. If someone's a racist, it's so hard to change their mind. You can try it. It might work. It'll work with some people. But if you're teaching the kid how to act against different cultures or how to, you know, how to be a, a good person in a sense, you know, it's easy to teach your kids that, you know? So I always will push that more than, you know, trying to convince the adults. Obviously, that needs to happen too, but, you know, it has to happen at cool camps. It has to happen at, you know, school. It has to happen in secondary school. It has to happen at the football pitches at a very young age and working your whole way up as well. So I definitely see education as a huge thing. Yeah, I agree with that as well. But I also want to say that it's it isn't our, like, it isn't up to us to change an adult's mind or an adult's opinion on racism. I, I think that's where like some people go wrong. Like we feel like we need to sit down with an adult and be like, this is why, this is what is perceived as racism. This is what you need to do to stop being racist. No, I don't think that's our problem because realistically we've came into this country at such a young age and we've learned the, the culture within Northern Ireland or Ireland, we we know about all the different things that has happened in Ireland. So why can't you do that for us and kind of go out of your way and like learn about our culture, learn about what our feelings, learn about what we can see as racism. You should be able to do that. So I don't believe in trying to change anyone's mind. If you want to change your opinion or something, you need to go out yourself and better yourself and learn it because we're able to do that for to be, to become part of the community in this country. We had to do that. So you should be able to do the same. The Gaelic Players Association, representing the interests of all intercounty players, protecting their welfare on and off the pitch and supporting their development as people. So huge thanks both to Mary and to Boydu for their time on the Players' Voice this week. I think you'll agree, Colm, a lot of really thought-provoking stuff there um, over the course of that discussion. Yeah, no, the guys were really, really open and honest. And um, just it's, it's, it's important, I suppose, from our point of view now, look, going forward, we need to take some actions to improve as well. And I think the players as well um, have a responsibility, have opportunity to kind of set standards wherever they are, whether it be 
on the field or off the field coaching the kids. So a really enjoyable um, discussion. And uh, again, thanks to Miriam Baidu uh, for, for giving us the time. And yeah, brilliant. Well, if that's all we do have time for, uh, hope you enjoyed this um, episode of The Player's Voice and come back to us for the next episode in a couple of weeks' time. Mm-hmm.